We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And on this episode, we are going to break down the latest in the Chicago Bears with their week four win over Detroit, preview a little bit of week five with a special guest, and talk about the latest, including a key injury on the offense, Matt Nagy's press conferences where he kind of leans more towards Andy Dalton again, and everything else. Before we get into all that, though, let's welcome in Aaron to the show. How's it going, Aaron? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, this has been the first time we've had one in a few weeks, and I'm sure you know anybody who follows you on Twitter knows that you're a uh, you're a proud new dad now. So congratulations to you. It's good to have you back, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. I think it's been what two weeks now, and uh, yeah, it feels good, man. It's just being a dad is awesome. Um, sleepless night, sleepless nights, um, but it's all worth it in the end. And I am so ready to kind of get back into the groove again because I think there's some interesting stuff going on with the Chicago Bears um, in terms of the quarterback position and Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and all of that. Um, and moving forward, that's always going to be a big storyline. So why don't we just kind of dive right into that? And since we've been gone with this podcast, um, it's been two games, and it's kind of been a tale of two different Bears teams. Against Cleveland, they got blown out, historically bad performance, 47 total net yards of offense, one passing yard. Um, you can blame Matt Nagy. You can blame the play calling. You can blame the offensive line. They just weren't in sync. And it, I kind of felt bad watching that defense have to go out there, especially after making two big fourth down stops. And then the offense does nothing. Now in week four at home was kind of a different story. Justin Fields started again and the offense kind of looked a little smoother. And early on, you know, we were kind of thinking, okay, is it really Bill Lazor calling the plays? And after the game, Matt Nagy confirmed that Bill Lazor was calling the plays. The Bears won 24-14. And while that's all fine and dandy, Lazor's going to continue to call the plays. I wonder what's going to happen at the quarterback position because I'm, I'm – let me ask you this. Do you believe anything that Matt Nagy said on Monday that Andy Dunn is a starter if he's healthy? I don't believe anything Matt Nagy says in general <laughs> at this point, man. I, that's the thing. It's like it's funny because he said that the way you characterized it is there's some interesting things going on with the Bears. They may not be good, but they're at least going to be interesting for the rest of this year. But hell no, I don't. I, I don't believe a word that comes out of Matt Nagy's mouth because he's he's got himself. It's like Inception, man. It's like lie upon lie upon lie upon lie, and you just better hope you can find your way out at the end. Well, it, there's a lot going on with the situation, and it kind of goes back, you know, to I want to say it was a couple weeks ago where they asked, you know, the reporters. I wasn't there. They asked him, you know, if Andy Dalton is your is healthy as your starter, and I think he kind of refused to answer the question. And Brad Biggs, who does a great job, challenged him on it and said, "It's not scheme. I'm just asking you the question." And they kind of refused to answer it. 15 minutes after the press conference ended, they had to have a PR guy 
go into the PR or to the re- reporter's room and tell them, yes, Andy is a starter. Matt wanted to clarify. And they claim that Matt was confused by the question, although it was the exact same question that uh, Patrick Finley, the Sun-Times, I believe it was, asked after the week two win against Cincinnati when Dalton got hurt. Now, going back to last week, the Bears released their injury report, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And on Friday, they had Andy Dalton limited. They had both quarterbacks talk. And Matt Nagy called it a game-time decision when you, myself, everyone we talked to, everyone that follows this podcast, every Bears fan damn well knew it was 99.9% going to be Justin Fields unless Andy Dalton had a miraculous recovery over the weekend. Why the hell play that mind game just to less than 24 hours later downgrade Andy Dalton to out and go with Justin Fields as your starter? I don't understand this competitive advantage thing that they think they have, but it's been like this ever since Ryan Pace has been here. It's just how they've handled it is so damn frustrating. And that's why, you know, I, I, I agree. I don't think you should really believe in everything that Matt Nagy says. But they've gotten it to this point. We shouldn't have to be here. We should be able to listen to the head coach and get valuable information, not only as reporters, podcasters, but fans. Fans should be able to trust what the head coach says. Well, and, and you know, honestly, this whole deception thing from Matt Nagy is really taken, it's been taken to a whole nother level this last year and a half or so. And and really, I, I, I think this last week was just <laughs> – I just can't help but laugh because it's like, honestly, I think really what it comes down to is I think Matt Nagy knows this is it. He's on his last leg. If he even has a leg to stand on at this point, which I think that's highly debatable. Um, So he's grasping at every single straw that he possibly thinks he has in this situation in terms of the competitive advantage and everything else. And really all it's doing is creating more waves within the media, not only the local media, but the national media and it's pissing people off. I mean, that's really just, that's, that's where we're at right now. You know, the, the reality is quite simple, right? I mean, the, the bone bruise that he had within his knee where basically his uh, what is it? His femur and his tibia I think that's the right, basically his femur and his, you know, his lower leg slammed together. It should have been a torn ACL. It wasn't, they slammed together. That's how the bone bruise happened. But I mean, this entire time, the timeline has always been three to five weeks. So we all knew last week that Andy Dalton wasn't playing. All he had to do was look at the video that, you know, any of the videos that any of the beat reporters that were there were posting. It was very clear Andy Dalton wasn't moving. And they kept saying, well, he's moving better as the the week goes on. Okay, well, that's cool, but he's still not playing. And, you know, obviously, you know, now we have this situation where, like you pointed out, I mean, Matt Nagy was point blank asked multiple times and refused to answer the question about who his starting quarterback would be. And then all of a sudden he comes out and, you know, he wants to do the, you know, the cowardly thing, in my opinion, which is, you know, send a a PR guy out and basically clarify the situation when he damn well knew what was being asked. He damn well knew what was being asked each time. And he dances around the question like he always does. And now here we are, you know, Monday rolls around. Justin Fields has a good game. And Matt Nagy again says, you know, when healthy, Andy Dalton's going to be our number one. It's like, okay, but when is that going to be? And, you know, I I tend to lean if Andy Dalton is truly healthy this weekend, I tend to lean and believe that he would indeed start. But again, I don't know if he's going to be healthy. I mean, I guess we're going to have to see what happens. I guess the only saving grace out of this situation is at least it sounds like Matt Nagy said these next few days, which have been, you know, Monday and Tuesday. So we'll get an injury report tomorrow and Matt Nagy will talk. He's also flipped his media days instead of, you know, having Wednesdays off and talking Thursdays and Fridays. Now we have Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So that means he will talk tomorrow. We'll also get our first injury report of the week. So I think we're going to have a much better idea. I I think ultimately what this comes down to is is that Matt Nagy feels more comfortable starting Andy Dalton. He thinks Andy Dalton gives him a better chance to win. That's debatable at this point, depending on who you talk to. It is what it is. But I, I think that if Justin Fields starts again this weekend and he has another good game, and the offense continues to make strides, then I think at that point in time, you're kind of looking at getting into the Justin Herbert situation where you're kind of like, okay, you know, like, can you really make the change? Like, let's just say they go out and they score 24, 27 points. They win the game. Justin Fields throws for, you know, 
250, you know, 250 yards, shows more improvement, continues to attack deep down the field. Can you really bench a guy like that after that? And I, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. And, you know, but again, at this point, I tweeted it out the other day. Don't listen to a thing Matt Nagy's saying. It really doesn't much matter at this point. Watch what he's actually doing. And, you know, what he's actually doing is actually going to mean something. His actions mean something. His words mean nothing. And we've seen that. We, and we're going to continue to see that. And the worse things get for the Bears, uh, the more aggressive and just childish, in my opinion, Matt Nagy is going to become. And I think there's a narrative going around that, you know, the Bears want to play Andy Dalton because they want to save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's job. I don't think going to Justin Fields gets Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace fired. Um, they do have two wins. Now, if they go, what, two um, in whatever, you know, 15 or whatever they go this year. If that happens, okay, yeah. But there's a scenario where, you know, Justin Fields plays well. The Bears win six, seven games this year. I would think that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace might be safe in that scenario, especially if Justin Fields shows, hey, you know, I'm the franchise quarterback. We finally have a, a potential top five quarterback. I don't think the Bears, you know, would it would be guaranteed that the Bears would make the move. And if you listen to um, ESPN last night, you know, before the pregame of the Raiders Chargers matchup, it was interesting because Steve you know, Young was, you know, advocating you got to start Justin Fields let him get his reps let him play Randy Moss said he's a big fan of Justin Fields and then you had Booker McFarland kind of say no you can't play him and then you had Adam Schefter say something that was just incredible saying I think I'll paraphrase a little bit saying he's he's gonna you're gonna break him or something kind of um in that realm well then why play any other rookie quarterback why play any player out there if you're just gonna break him the quarterback has to play I just it was kind of infuriating listening to that last night. Well, let me ask you this, though, because I heard the same thing. I mean, you were the one you, you commented on, because I think it was Matt Clapp was the one who posted yeah, the videos, yep. if I remember right. But let me ask you this. If if the Bears are so concerned about Justin Fields, quote unquote, breaking, then what the hell was this last week? What yeah. was, I mean, that, Why not play Nick question. Foles? Yeah, the, 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 that's my whole question is, you let a you let a rookie quarterback in his first start go out and get sacked nine times, and they had forty seven yards of total offense. What does he do? He comes back. He has a good game. He makes multiple th- throws down the field, five explosive plays and all. Looks pretty dang good all the way around, especially for a rookie quarterback. That alone should tell you everything that you need to know about Justin Fields right there. This kid isn't going to break over one game. He's not going to exactly. break over one bad stretch. So what the hell are we even talking about? I mean, I he mean, took four sacks from Miles Garrett and didn't. Yeah, break, I just what what the hell are we talking? About? But again, that's the problem. Is Adam Schefter is a fantastic resource. He's yes. a fantastic. You know, he's he's one of those. I mean, he's the he's the NFL leader in terms of sources. But with that being said. Adam Schefter is going to take the information that he is getting from his sources, AKA the bears. AKA Matt is going to, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he is going to push that out to the masses. I would take just, just my personal opinion. I would take the word of a guy like Steve young or Randy Moss or hall of fame players over the word of an insider or over the word of a guy like Booger McFarlane, who literally contradicts himself consistently and says some of the most asinine things that I've I've heard anybody on ESPN saying quite a while. So, I mean, that's just my personal take, but I mean, if like, if you're worried about breaking the guy, like, what do you mean? Like you just saw him rebound from historically one of the worst, uh, you know, basically rookie entrances that you can possibly have to what he just did. I don't, what, what are we even doing here? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's crazy, man. And before we kind of move on to today's news, I mean, how good did that feel to watch a quarterback make throws like Justin Fields did? And it was a throw to Darnell Mooney backed up inside his own 10-yard line where he puts it right on the money. And then it's a throw to Allen Robinson where he fits into a tight window on the money. And then just an incredible throw to Darnell Mooney again to the right side, putting it only where Mooney could get to. I, I've watched the Bears. I'm 32. You, you're, you're 31. Watch the Bears our entire lives. I've never seen a quarterback make those throws with ease. Jay Cutler, okay, I, I, I will agree with that one. He also made some really terrible decisions. But it just felt good to see a quarterback make throws like that. And it got me excited. Like, I'll, you know, going back to Mitch Trubisky era, I thought that Buccaneers game was his best game by far. And he made a lot of good throws in that game. But if you look back, a lot of those receivers are wide open, not discrediting them at all. Over time, though, we have not seen anyone like this make these throws. I mean, Justin Fields looked like a franchise quarterback. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to jinx anything. But it just kind of feels like the Bears got it right. And it kind of feels like everything aligned in that draft to let them get this thing right and Justin Fields to fall in their hands. And, you know, being the what the fourth quarterback taken, I mean, Trey Lance has had his flashes. Trevor Lawrence is, in my eyes, very tough to judge. I think he's starting to kind of figure it out. He's just hamstring strung by a coach who has no clue what he's doing down there in Jacksonville. And Zach Wilson looks like he's going to be a prospect that could be a huge boom um, if he gets it going or, or bust. And then Mac Jones is kind of, um, you know, I, I don't know the exact word to say, but I think he's a good fit in that system in New England. I don't think Mac Jones will ever be, you know, considered a, a, a you know, a, a top five quarterback, but he could be a top 12 to get to the playoffs every year type quarterback. And that's fine. Justin Fields looks like he could be a superstar quarterback and for everything to fall into their arm into place like this, it's just crazy. What the hell is going on? I, I just, it's, you know, Menegg has kind of dug himself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole. And it's driving people nuts. It's driving me nuts. It's driving Rich Eisen nuts. It's driving Dan Bernstein nuts. Anyone at 670, the score nuts. It's just crazy. But I kind of want to end this on, it just felt good to watch a quarterback make throws like that. It did. It absolutely did. I mean, that was, again, he's a rookie. Rookie mistakes are going to happen. I tweeted it out earlier. I think it was after Trevor Lawrence's start. Uh, on Thursday Night Football to start off week four, everybody needs to calm down. Just calm down with the weekly reactions of these quarterbacks, man. It's getting so old. It's like people want to be so right about their draft takes four weeks into a season instead of just sitting back and letting things happen. And the same thing goes for Justin Fields. It was one start in in uh, you know in Cleveland. It was one start against the Lions. The Lions are bad. It is what it is. But again, you know, people expect like this crazy development to happen in year one. Like just by the end of the year, Justin Fields should be a top five quarterback. That's just not going to happen. That's not realistic. That's not the way things go. I mean, if you really look back on rookie quarterbacks that have started the majority of their rookie seasons. Uh, you know, ranging back 10 or 15 years, Andrew Luck is the only quarterback that comes to mind. And I guess you could put Russell Wilson in that category as well, that come to mind where things just clicked right out of the gate and they were pretty dang good quarterbacks right out of the gate. But for the most part, again, yeah, you're going to see flashes. And that's a, that's a thing with Justin Fields is we saw him make some really good throws. We saw him make some good decisions. I mean, really the interception that he had wasn't his fault. It was tipped at the line of scrimmage. What are you going to do about that? Um, but then he also had plays too, where, you know, he takes that sack, he fumbles the ball, you know, that's a, that's a play he's got to get, you know, got to get rid of the ball or a few other plays where if he gets, you know, if he makes the decision a little quicker, he gets rid of the ball, then all of a sudden he doesn't take the hit and maybe it ends up turning into a solid play instead of, you know, basically, a, a, you know, a, a non-factor, but again, it's it's he's a rookie and that's kind of the thing i think with with this dalton situation dalton may be safer 
But Dalton doesn't provide you nearly the, the highest of ceilings that, that Justin Fields can provide, even if it's in flashes. And I think really the big thing, again, and we've talked about it multiple times, I guess we can kind of end it here with this talk at least, the Bears aren't a playoff team this year. I I, you know, I don't really know. I the, you know I'm usually I try to be careful about things you know that I that I really stand on. The Bears are not a playoff team this year. I mean, it's just as simple as it. All you got to do is look around the league, watch some of these other teams. There's a lot of good teams out there. The Bears are not one of them. And if they somehow luck into a playoff spot because of a you know a crazy collapse from another team or some crazy injuries, okay, it is what it is. But I, I say that not to be negative or demeaning, but I say that to, you know, look towards the future, look towards 2022. If, if Justin Fields is continuing to prove that he can handle himself and that he is quote unquote ready, which is the most subjective thing on the face of the planet. If he can show that he's ready, then start the kid. Who cares if you win five or six games? And I know that's easier said than done when your job's not on the line, but the reality of it is six wins with Justin Fields starting all season or seven or eight wins with Dandy Dalton starting all season. I mean, you see upside in one and you don't see upside in the other. I mean, that's really just how I feel about it. If it's up to me, there's no question. You play Justin Fields, you get it figured out, and you just have to hope that with, with Bill Lazor calling plays now that they can use this last week, albeit against a really bad team with the Lions, they can use this, this last week as a platform and continue to build you know, progression throughout the season. Agreed. Agreed 100%. I Get the get him the snaps, let him develop. It's going to make rookie mistakes, but he's also going to flash at the same time too, and it's going to be a, a fun ride to watch. Going back to that game, though, uh, while a lot went right for the Bears, you know, one kind of scary moment in the fourth quarter, David Montgomery went down on a tackle, and he came up, you know, not in pain. Uh, it was visible. They didn't even show the replay on Fox, which should tell you something. And it looked like. Aaron, I'm not going to lie. It looked like maybe a tear in the knee and probably a season-ending injury. Montgomery was able to walk off with the help of a trainer, um, but the Bears did get some good news today, or as good of news as you could get, that it's not a season-ending injury. There was no tear. It's just a knee sprain, um, and he's expecting to miss four to five weeks. And you and I were kind of talking before the show. Um, we probably could see Montgomery if they don't put him on IR sooner than that. He's the type of guy that look what happened in training camp last year where he had that nasty slip and it looked like kind of one of those ACLs that you don't really want to deal with. And he could have been lost for the entire year. He comes back. He's ready for week one. He's a guy in the past who suffered injuries like this and has been able to rehab and get stronger returning a little earlier. Now this kind of leaves the bears in a, in a, in a, Bit of a situation here. Damian Williams is going to be the lead back if he's healthy. He also had a quad injury, left the game. And then you have Khalil Herbert behind him. They're going to probably bring up Ryan Nall. Um, I, I guess they might even bring up Artavius Pierce as well. He was just out of the practice squad. Chicago's run game won't be as effective, but it's not, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong or, or maybe you disagree. I don't think it's a huge drop off to go to Damian Williams. He's not as good as David Montgomery. But it's not like they're going Damian or you know they're going David Montgomery to Ryan Nall or Artavis Pierce. I still think Williams is a capable back, and how they're going to use Khalil Herbert, the rookie, should factor in a little bit to this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think obviously David Montgomery has been their best offensive player and their most consistent offensive player all this year. And really, you could make an argument for top two or top three offensive player from last year outside of Allen Robinson, but. It, it, here's the thing, you know, Damian Williams was brought in for a reason. Damian Williams was brought in because he is a scheme fit and he's a good fit for this offense. He's not the same kind of runner as David Montgomery. And that's fine. That's why you have him as a one, two punch. And he's got a little bit more burst. He's definitely not going to break the, you know, the type of tackles. I think you're going to have to run probably outside zone with him a little bit more than you would David Montgomery. But at the same time, I think that they can between him and Khalil Herbert, I think they can make things work. I'm not again, and that's not to say that David Montgomery's, you know, replaceable or easily replaceable or anything like that. It's not a knock on him at all. I just think that the Bears have the right fits behind him to where I don't think it's going to be an issue. And kind of going circling back to your point there on Montgomery and just how the dude's superhuman, man. I, I have a buddy of mine that has covered Iowa State for years upon years upon years. And, you know, I'm an Oklahoma fan, so I saw a decent amount of him too. But, you know, he always told me, he's like, man, there were times, you know, at Iowa State where he'd, he'd get blasted or you get, you know, it looked like a really bad injury. He'd be in there five plays later, you know, and there's multiple times you told me that you'd be sitting there and be like, oh man, he's out for the year. And then you come back and it's like, what in the heck? So 
you don't want to put too lofty expectations at this point. I think a safe assumption they got a week 10 by you come out of the week 10 by week 11, you still have basically seven games or eight games or whatever it is left in the season at that point. And I think you're, you know, you're still in pretty good shape, but the good news is, like you said, this isn't a season ending injury. Uh, if there's anybody that you can expect to push the timeline and to get back way quicker than expected, it would be a guy like David Montgomery. But for the time being, I think the Bears will be fine. Maybe not to the same level, and they're probably going to have to change things up in terms of the run scheme and how they attack the, the run as a whole. But I do think that you know this isn't some crippling thing for their offense at this point. Yeah, no, not at all. And, you know, we wish David Montgomery a speedy recovery. We'd love to see him back out there um, as quick as possible. Another move that happened today um, in other Bears news, they made a trade. They um, acquired Jakeem Grant, wide receiver from Miami. Um, reports are a six-round pick in 2022, but the Bears called it undisclosed, um, which could mean a conditional situation with the pick. And they also waived um, Nasimba Webster, their, their punt return man. And with Khalil Herbert, you know, likely taking on a bigger role in the coming weeks, they're going to need him in the backfield. You go out and you get a guy in Grant, and, and you spend, if it is a six-rounder, not that big of a deal, who could benefit from a change of scenery. And the Bears, let's not forget, they got to look at Grant um, in, in training camp with the joint practices at House Hall for a couple of days. You got a guy who is experienced at kick return. You got a guy who's experienced as a punt returner and might even kind of fit into what they want to do in offense as a number three, number four wide receiver. Outside Darnell Mooney and some of Allen Robinson – no one's really taken control of that number three or four wide receiver spot. Marquise Goodwin's got some looks, but he hasn't, you know, been great. Um, Demir Bird hasn't been anything special. Um, you know, really nothing doing outside of those two guys. So now you look at Grant, and you know, it could be one of those cases. Hey, let's get him out of Miami. Let's see what he can do here. A lot of speed. And this also kind of shows to me that they weren't messing around with the punt return duties because the simple Webster just did not get it done. And, and, and when I noticed it the most was Sunday, he had a punt where he didn't even feel that he could have even fair catch it. There was no one within 20 yards of him and he just let it drop. And that kind of just gave me flashbacks of, uh, of Ted getting junior there. Yeah. I, I tweeted out the same thing during the game. It's like, what in the hell? Like what is going on right now? I mean, he cost the bears, I would say probably 35, 40 yards in, in overall field position just by letting the ball hit the ground. And yeah, you know, it's, it, it's kind of one of those things, I think, with a guy like Jakeem Grant. Now, again, keep in mind, the team acquiring a player is always going to be optimistic, and the team getting rid of the player is always going to be pessimistic. That's just how things go. Uh, you know, I've had a few Dolphins fans kind of reach out and say, yeah, good luck with that. Um, you know, here, here's the reality, right? He's, he's an explosive return guy. He's a good punt returner. He's a good kick returner. He does have a tendency at times to muff punts. I think the biggest issue that a lot of Dolphins fans had with him is the overall expectations coming out of Texas Tech. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a more explosive uh, playmaker offensively, and it really hasn't worked. He's not a consistent receiver. He's a small guy. They just really couldn't ever make it work with him. So it's kind of one of those things where I think if you're, if you're going into this, this, you know, acquisition saying, okay, we, you know, the bears have just upgraded uh kick returner and pump returner, you know, a lot that that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Now, anything you get from him offensively at this point is, is gravy. I think the one thing to kind of keep in mind, yeah, I know some people are saying, well, why is Ryan Pace trading future picks? It's a 2023. So two drafts from now, six round pick. Name me the last six-round pick that has done anything remotely decent for the Bears outside of either sitting on the practice squad or some sort of reserve. I, I can I couldn't name you one. I, there's not even many on the roster from Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace's era of, of six-round picks. So the reality of it is, is this, right? You get him in here. He does a good job. It also gives you some security with, uh, you know, the uncertain future, especially this year with Tariq Cohen uh, coming back as the punt returner, possible kick returner. 
Um, and it also gives you, a, you know, an option for the future because he will be a free agent after the year. He's 28. He'll be 29 next year. But he still kind of gives you, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, he turns into a nice back of the, you know, back of the roster kind of guy in terms of or back into the depth chart kind of guy at receiver. You know, you can feature him a little bit kind of like Cordero Patterson. And you can also have him as one of your, you know, your primary returners in terms of punt returns and kick returns. Then maybe that's a guy that you want to sign for two or three years if it's a reasonable deal. So I, I don't see a lot of downside with this. And again, I know a lot of people are looking at it saying, why would you trade a draft pick? That draft pick is completely meaningless, man. At this point in time, it is what it is. The Bears need help now. I think it's also one of those moves where he's still young enough to where you can justify signing him to a extension if things work out. And that's again, that's just assuming that things do work out. But I don't, I don't see a lot of downside with this kind of move. Yeah, it's a low risk, high reward type move. Um, I'm not saying it's going to pan out the way the Bears want it to, but they did upgrade in my eyes at punt return and kick return. Let's get into our interview to kind of pre- preview the Raiders Bears game this Sunday in Las Vegas, um, week five. And we talked to Dennis Ackerman, the co host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Some good insight on Derek Carr, the Raiders defense, the offense. And a little bit on the Khalil Mack trade that a lot of people still talk about uh, to this day and how it's impacted both franchises. We'll be right back after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. And now joining us here live on the Bear Report podcast is special guest Dennis Ackerman. He's a co-host of the Believe in Raiders podcast with Stanford Rutt, and Dennis is here to give us some insight on the Chicago Bears' upcoming opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 5. Dennis, thanks for joining us, man. Zach and Aaron, thanks so much for having me on. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And let's kind of get right into it. So we, we watched the game last night on Monday night, um, the Raiders' first loss of the year. But going into that game, they were they were 3-0, and one of the last unbeaten teams. How did they kind of get there um, to that 3-0 and mark and sit at 3-1 and tied atop the AFC West? Yeah, Monday night's game, unfortunately, they dug themselves too deep of a hole. It's the third time they have trailed in a game by 14 or more points. And unfortunately, the Chargers were the best team they faced in the first four weeks, and they just couldn't uh, rally in time. So you dig yourself that deep of a hole. Chargers were the better team on Monday night. Uh, Monday night, I'll repeat that. But you, you dig yourself too deep of a hole, and it's going to eventually come back to bite you, and it did. They were able to rally on the Monday night opener against the Ravens, a good Ravens team, and then they fell behind also 14 to nothing to the Miami Dolphins, but they were able to win that one in overtime. Well, and you know, I've weirdly, I don't even know how, but I've, I've somehow caught the majority of the Raiders games this year. And one of the things that's really stuck out to me, and obviously it's been a point of emphasis for the Raiders this offseason, has been the improved defense. So I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, especially the pass rush. Obviously, you got some injuries in the secondary, but how, just where have the changes come from the defense and how are they playing so much better this year so far? Well, I think it starts with defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. They hired him in the offseason. He's came over. He's run his cover three defense. He's simplified things for them. Uh, they do have a lot of new faces. Denzel Perriman, a linebacker, they acquired him uh, just a few weeks before the start of the season. They got him for a sixth-round pick from Carolina. He's had a huge impact on that defense. Then K.J. Wright, uh, they signed him as a free agent. He played under Gus Bradley uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. He's made a difference. Casey Hayward has been fantastic in the secondary for them. He, they got He's a former Charger. He's made a big impact. They drafted safety uh, Trayvon Merrick. They got him in the second round out of TCU. Uh, Jonathan Abram is playing much better. They moved him up. He's almost like a quasi-linebacker now. They signed Yannick Ngakwe. He's been able to put pressure on the quarterback. And guys like Max Crosby, this is his third year in the league. He had a great rookie season, dropped off a little bit last year. But he's been wonderful so far. And look, it, it really couldn't get much worse defensively for them. So they have made a lot of strides, but they've still got some ways to go. Now, they did suffer some injuries uh, in the secondary Monday night. Let's see if they can get healthy. Trayvon Mullen, Casey Hayward, and then Damon Arnett all suffered injuries. Not sure what the status 
of their of them uh, come Sunday. You mentioned a guy in Max Crosby, and he's someone actually that Aaron and I interviewed during the pre-draft process. Um, as we're kind of spotlighting potential, you know, Bears draft picks, we both came away very impressed with you know the interview and and then watching him, you know, in college his play. I've watched the Raiders a couple times this year, and he stands out every single time I've watched it. What has made him so good this year um, compared to maybe a small drop-off that he had last year? Well, if you go back to his rookie season, he was a fourth-round pick, I think, out of Eastern Michigan. I think he had 10 sacks his rookie year. He was not healthy last year, and yet he still led the Raiders in sacks. Now, one thing he did in the offseason, he went to – he checked himself into alcohol rehab – and he's a lot uh, lighter now. He's lost a lot of weight. He's bulked up. He's added a lot of muscle. And you could tell he's just lightning quick off the ball. Now, even though he's not recording the sacks, he didn't get one on Monday night, he's still constantly pressuring the quarterback. And that's helping the Raiders also, uh, the rest of that defense along the front seven, put pressure on the quarterback. On, you know, speaking of that front seven, that's actually one of my biggest concerns in terms of matchup for the Bears. But just kind of flipping over to the other side of the ball offensively, and somebody I kind of want to touch on is Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr, maybe I've got a little bit of, uh, you know, homerism with him just because he grew up in pretty similar area to me that out in Bakersfield. I grew up about an hour away from there. But I feel like Derek Carr has been one of those guys throughout his career, even going back to Fresno State, where he's just never got the respect that he deserves. And if you look at it, you know, you can even kind of take out the game yesterday because it was kind of a, a weird game in general on Monday night. Right. But if you look at his season as a whole, Derek Carr has been one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And if you, you know, if you rewind back to last season, Derek Carr put up a really good year. So what have you seen from Derek Carr over this last year plus where he seems to have made that jump and he still doesn't seem to be getting the respect. Well, yeah, you know, if you pulled uh, Raider Nation, he is a lightning rod. 50% of the people will love him. 50% of the people uh, just are not Derek Carr fans at all. But this is his fourth season under John Gruden. And last year, Carr threw for over 4,000 yards, uh, less than 10 interceptions. And then through the first three games, I think he'd thrown uh, for well over 1,000 yards. I know he didn't play particularly well on Monday night. But you know what? He is thriving under John Gruden's system. He looks comfortable in that pocket. He has a lot of weapons. I mean, you can make the case Darren Waller, uh, one of the top two tight ends in the NFL. Henry Ruggs is emerging in his second year out of Alabama. He's much maligned as a rookie. Uh, Brian Edwards, another wide receiver in his second season. He was hurt most of his first year, and he's emerging as well. So Carr has a lot of weapons to work with, and he distributes the wealth. And then don't, I can't forget Hunter Renfro. How about the play he made on special teams last night, jarring that ball out of the when they uh, threw the pass on fourth down? Not only is he a great receiver, but it looks like he can play a little defensive back as well. But Derek Carr has a lot of weapons to work with. Josh Jacobs, a running back, unfortunately, hasn't been very healthy this year. And, you, you know, you go back to 2016. That's the one time the Raiders made the playoffs with Derek uh, as a starting quarterback. Unfortunately, he got hurt right uh, towards the end of the season. He was unable to uh, play in the playoff game. But I think the fact is he's got weapons and he also, you know, has finally got a halfway decent defense to work with as well. Um, you know, moving forward now um, on the offense and Darren Waller is obviously, you know, the guy that everyone will watch. Um, he, he's a legit tight end, really good, damn good tight end. But when you look at Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, what kind of threats can they pose to this Bears secondary, um, especially, you know, when there's some holes in the slot and there's some holes opposite of uh, Jalen Johnson? Well, let's start with Darren Waller in that first game against the Ravens. He had 10 catches, and I know that the uh, Steelers tried to take him away, as did Miami. He's still going to get his five, six catches. Uh, can you limit him to you know, 10, 12 yards per reception and not let him get the big one? But what it's doing is he's drawing so much attention now. That's opening up things for Henry Ruggs. And Ruggs, you know, he caught the long 61-yard touchdown pass against the Steelers. He had another big reception on Monday night against the Chargers. Hunter Renfro has not only turned in one of the best third down uh, receivers in the NFL, but he's turned into one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, this guy was a fifth round selection out of Clemson. So they have a lot of weapons for Derek Carr to distribute the wealth with, as I kind of mentioned earlier. So the Bears secondary is certainly going to have their hands full uh, with all of his weapons. Well, and kind of moving, you know, to the offensive line, that's one of the things I've kind of noticed. And, you know, obviously anybody who really followed the offseason 
knows how big of a transformation that that offensive line had. I mean, there were just multiple guys that were just, it seemed like everything was just kind of interchangeable to a certain extent. And then also Richie Incognito hasn't played either. But it, it seems like if there's anything to kind of knock offensively, I know the run game really hasn't got going either just because of uh, Josh Jacobs not really being that healthy. But it feels like the offensive line is, is kind of the biggest question mark uh, for the Raiders right now. Do you see that is a weak point going into this game against the Bears? The Bears have the most sacks in the league, I think 15 over the first four games. Do you think that's going to be an issue for them this week? Oh, I certainly do. You know, that was my one of my biggest concerns before the season began. As you mentioned, they blew up this offensive line in the offseason. I mean, they got rid of Rodney Hudson. They traded him to the Cardinals. They traded Gabe Jackson uh, to the Seattle Seahawks, and they traded Trent Brown back to the New England Patriots. Uh, as you mentioned, Richie Incognito, he has not played this season. He's on the IL uh, with a calf strain. Andre James has struggled at center. Alex Leatherwood, their first-round pick out of Alabama, has not fared very well at right tackle. And you could see Monday night that Derek Carr was not able to get in a rhythm early because the pass protection was constantly breaking down. And you can kind of tell Carr did play well in the third quarter, but you could kind of tell as well when the rush got near him, he was trying to get rid of the ball a little bit earlier. And in the previous three games, the line had held up pretty good. They had some issues in the first half against Miami. So Colton Miller is the only returning starter. And they also lost uh, right guard Denzel Good in the first game of the season against the Ravens. Um, John Simpson has been filling in at left guard for Richie Incognito. And as an overall group, I mean, they have struggled mightily. And I'm sure they're going to have their hands full uh, with this Bears pass rush. And if you're looking, you know, the Bears offense, the Bears won't come out and say it at they won't say if Justin Fields is a starter or any adult, and we won't know for a couple of days. But if you're the Raiders defense, how are you going to attack Chicago's offense, whether it is Justin Fields, very likely, or Andy Dalton? What, what can we kind of see from the Raiders defense? Well, I think the first thing is the health. I mean, the Raiders are going to have to see what the status is of Casey Hayward, uh, Trayvon Mullen, and Damon Arnett. And if those three are healthy, then, you know, I feel pretty good about uh, the back end of that defense. Now, they should be able to put pressure on no matter who's back there. I mean, Andy Dalton's a little bit more of a sitting target, so I'm sure, sure Raider Nation would like to see him back there instead of Justin Fields kind of running around. But so far through the first four weeks, the Raiders have been able to get good pressure uh, from that front four. And if they can continue to do that, um, then I think it bodes well for them. But we'll have to see, uh, like you said, whether it's Andy Dalton Justin Fields. I don't think it'll be Nick Foles. Or am I going out on a limb saying that? No, we'd be very shocked. If it's Nick <laughs> Foles, let's just say a lot. You'll hear a lot from Bears fans because it'd be, it'd be absolutely shocking. Yeah. I, yeah. If, if Nick Foles was a starting quarterback, I think that would even shock Matt Nagy at this point. So my last question, and it's kind of more of a broad, you know, a broad question, just because, you know, obviously, you know, this, anybody who's listening to the podcast knows this. The Bears and the Raiders have an interesting tie because of the Cleo Mack deal, right? I mean, everybody knows that, you know, Cleo Mack comes to the Bears, the Raiders get a ton of picks back in return. And this is also right about the time that John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock stepped in and kind of took things over. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, because you look at some of the first round picks or second round picks, even their third round picks, and they've had guys that have basically, you know, they've, they've, they've obviously had some hits, but they've also had a decent amount of misses and you, you just start kind of looking at how things have gone within this uh, regime for the Raiders. I'm just kind of curious on your perspective, where do you sit? Uh, what, what side of the fence do you sit on? Do you, do you think they are headed in the right direction with Gruden and Mayock, or do you think that changes are going to happen if they don't make the playoffs this year? Well, I'll take you back to that Khalil Mack trade, and that absolutely devastated uh, the fan base because that was the last year the team was in Oakland. And John Gruden promised, you know, when he returned for his second stint with the Raiders, I'm going to do everything I can to get the Raiders to the playoffs in my first year. Last year in Oakland, you know, let's go out on a bang. We'll do the best that we can. And then, boom, they trade Khalil Mack, one of the best defensive players in all of football. They got back, as you mentioned, a lot of draft picks. I believe that ended up being Jonathan Abram, running back Josh Jacobs, and wide receiver Brian Edwards. So they did get some pretty good return, but still was just at that moment, it 
was a pretty much a gut punch uh, for Oakland Raider fans. Now, remember this, John Gruden is in the middle of a 10-year reportedly $100 million deal. So no matter what the Raiders do this year, if they make the playoffs or they miss the playoffs, John Gruden is not going anywhere. Could the hot seat maybe start for him? Perhaps. But I don't know what kind of cash flow the Raiders have, especially after playing in front of no fans last year. But I don't think John Gruden is going anywhere. Now, Mike Mayock, the general manager, on the other hand, he could be the fall guy if they don't make it. I mean, they have had some questionable draft picks with him. Cleve Farrell, uh, defensive end a couple of years ago, was a fourth-round pick. He was inactive, a healthy scratch in game number one. You can make the case right now the starting right tackle, Alex Leatherwood, uh, was a reach. He has struggled, and I'm being kind when I say that. Now, they have hit on some you know, lower round picks. Max Crosby is a perfect example. Hunter Renfro. Uh, I think Trayvon Merrick, uh, the safety, they picked up in the second round. I think he's got a bright future for them. But unfortunately, if they do miss the playoff, fellas, uh, Mike Mayock is going to be the fall guy. And my last question before I let you go, have you been to the new stadium there in Las Vegas? And uh, if so, or, or want to share any information of just how cool it is for Bears fans that, you know, might be traveling this weekend out there or, you know, would hope to get there in the future? I have been. I went to the uh, game against Miami. And first of all, I'm kind of old school, so I don't like particularly going inside the domes and watching games. It feels very strange to me. Now, with that being said, they did an absolutely wonderful job with it. I'm sure you've seen on TV, they got the big torch uh, in one of the end zones. Uh, they have all the uh, Raider Hall of Famers that you can take pictures in front of. Uh, it seats about oh, 60 to 65,000. Um, they really did a nice job with it. They, they, they really did. And the thing that I like the best, it's also grass. It's kind of like Arizona. They grow the grass outside and then they'll slide it in on game days. UNLV also plays there, but they play on, on a field turf. So um, look, the fact that they were able to get a stadium built, uh, I give them a lot of credit. They did a really nice job with it. So kudos to Mark Davis for getting that. In terms of the crowd, um, let me put it this way. It's not Oakland. It's a little bit more subdued. Um, you have higher ticket prices, different kind of clientele. So uh, it's not as raucous. There were a lot of Miami Dolphin fans there, and I'm sure uh, throughout the season, you know, Vegas is a destination, so I'm sure there's always going to be a lot of visiting fans coming in and want to, you know, see, the, see their team. So uh, definitely a different dynamic in terms of the crowd. And uh, I guess one more thing, sorry. Uh, give us your final score prediction and uh, maybe an X factor to watch. Oh, boy. Um, you know, right now – I. The X factor is kind of the injuries uh, for the Raiders defense. Now, if everybody is healthy, uh, I think the Raiders can win 27, 17. Uh, if they have a depleted secondary, this game is going to be a lot closer. I, I can see it being a toss up, maybe 21, 20 Raiders, maybe 21, 17. So I do think it'll be a close game. Look, there's one thing about John Gruden's teams. When he gets a lead, he gets conservative and the Raiders will never blow anybody out because of that. He always takes his foot off the gas pedal when he gets a lead. So no matter what, fellas, I can tell you one thing. It will be a one or two score game. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter and uh, listen to your podcast at? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ackerman underscore Dennis. And Stanford Route and I host the Bleed in Raiders podcast. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us. Hey, guys, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. Once again, that was Dennis Ackerman, co-host of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Some really good stuff there. Aaron, I think it's time to wrap things up. And as we always do, let's give our prediction and X factor for the upcoming game. Um, I'll go ahead and go first on this one. I do think the Raiders um, are, are a good team. Their only loss came on the road Monday night to uh, Los Angeles. And, you know, I think Justin Fields is going to start. 
but I think in the end, you know, the Raiders are probably going to win this game. And I'm going to say my final score, I'm going to say Oakland or uh, God, not Oakland, geez, Las Vegas, 23, Chicago, 17. Um, you know, I, I just think that the Raiders right now are kind of playing, you know, really well. And uh, the bears kind of have a lot of questions going on was, you know, the, the performance against the lions, just a performance against the lions or can, you know, they kind of build on it. We'll soon find out. My X factor in this one, I'm going to go with the Bears offensive line. And here's why. Last week, I thought Sam Mustard played the best game of his season so far. He was awful through the first three weeks. Last week, he seemed to do a little bit better with Laser um, calling plays for whatever reason. And let's not forget, he took over last year when Laser essentially took over play calling duties um, you know, at the starting center position. So I'm going to go with the offensive line. Can they hold up against this Raiders defense? Can they protect? Hopefully, Justin Fields is the quarterback back there. And can they kind of, you know, get out on their blocks and, and create some run lanes for Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert? Yeah, and I'll, um, I'll start with my X factor here. Um, I, I was going to take the offensive line as well because, like you said, I mean, that's going to be uh, my regardless of <laughs> That's fine. I mean, regardless of who the quarterback is. I mean, it's if it's Andy Dalton, he's not going to be 100%. If it's Justin Fields, you got to protect your rookie. But with that being said, um, you know, there's another X factor within this game, and that's going to be the Bears secondary versus uh, the, 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 you know, the Raiders pass catching options. I mean, you got Darren Waller, who I just I can't even imagine how he's going to terrorize the secondary man. I mean, that's one thing the Bears have had a lot of issues for the most part outside of TJ Hawkinson. They've had a lot of issues uh, in the past few years of of shutting down tight ends. And then, you know, kind of like you know, we talked about in the preview itself, you have Henry Ruggs, who's got crazy speed, Brian Edwards, who really hasn't factored in that much Hunter Renfro, who's probably going to drive bears fans insane with his work out of the slot. There's a lot of ways that the Raiders can go offensively within the passing attack. So I think the bears have really got to figure out something within the secondary, uh, you know, so that's my X factor uh, X factor. And then this is actually going to be the first time, as far as my prediction goes, um, through four weeks, I'm exactly, I'm four and four. This is exactly where I or four. No, I mean, uh, this is exactly where I thought the bears would be, uh, in my preseason predictions. I had the bears winning this game because I didn't think the Raiders were going to be that good. The Raiders are definitely better than I thought they were. I don't know if they're as good as, you know, three and one. Um, but at the same time, the bears are, also, in my opinion, not very good. So, you know, kind of like our guest pointed out, I think that ultimately this is probably going to end up being somewhat of a close game. I don't think this is an unwinnable game for the Bears like it was with the Browns game or like it was with uh, with the Rams game. But I do think the uh, I do think the Raiders are going to end up winning this. I'll go 24. I mean, I'm going to have a similar score to you, I think. I'm going to go 24-17 uh, Raiders over the Bears. Yeah, just one point off, and I think we're kind of on the same page with, with how this game's going to go. Hopefully, we're both wrong. Hopefully, the Bears uh, get another win and get over that 500 hump here. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can follow me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can also read my work on thebearreport.com. And you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can read my work on thebearreport.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Until next week, everyone, please stay safe.